Hello friends and welcome to the midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Mark Heath. Obviously things have not been great at Ipswich Town recently, but the sun is shining outside Heath Towers. I've got my two best friends with me on the podcast and we're going to get right into it and try and be positive today. It's all about positive vibes only today, boys. It's going to be a bit of a shit sandwich show, which I'll come on to shortly. That concept, management concept, boys, so you're probably not aware of it. But um, <laughs> Andy Warren, first of all, I want to come to you because I always go to Stu first. Hutchie, you were with Stu last night in Northampton, a lovely place to be on a Tuesday night. How are you? It's just management speak, that is. I don't <laughs> like it. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I, the sun is shining, but I've got to close the curtain because it's shining straight, straight at my screen and I can barely see it. Uh, unless I've got the curtain closed, so I'm actually sitting in in darkness, as you can probably probably see. That's quite apt after last night. I imagine you spend quite a lot of time. I can imagine you sitting in darkness quite a lot, Hutchie, just listening to Roiksop or something. Yeah, incense sticks on. Um, yeah. blanket over my knees, listening to smooth, smooth Norwegian techno. <laughs> just just thinking, just thinking about football. Um, Did I ever tell deep, you? I- and it's deeper meaning. Absolutely. Did I ever tell you our friend uh, Sindra Lyson once suggested to me that your, your nickname should be Scandy Warren as opposed to Hutchie? I like it. I'll, let's go with that. Works well. Scandy. And, and your partner in crime, obviously, last night at Six Fields, there was a fun fair just beyond the stadium, which, again, seems a bit apt to you. Um, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, that looked good fun, the fun fair. It's nice to see people out and about and having fun with their lives again. And there's two <laughs> Ipswich Town fans again for the third game in a row. Mm. Some Ipswich Town fans trying to gain a vantage point. We had the, uh, a few on the roof at Wimbledon. And then a few tried to turn up at Charlton at the Valley um, who uh, were oversold their vantage point. Uh, they turned up, realised they couldn't see over the fence and then left pretty sharpish. And then... Mm. Um, Northampton's got a, a nice little hill behind one of the goals. Um, so um, they will have only seen half the pitch. Um, was it the good half? Uh, I don't think there was a good half, to <laughs> be quite honest. I'm surprised they stayed to the end. I think I'd have been off into the, into the fun fair had that been me. Yeah. Um, I do love that. I've got to say, the, the, the guys that are doing that, it's fantastic. It's to be commended. Um, something that's definitely not to be commended, Hutchie is your brazen disregard for a classic seminal film of the 1990s on the last podcast alongside the big porker and Mr. Watson demolition man. You wear it like a badge of honor that you've not seen it. It's, it is a classic mid nineties action film. You've got Stallone, you've got Bullock and you've got Wesley Snipes classic, classic film. And yet much like never having a cup of tea or never watching back to the future, you wear this gaping cultural chasm like a badge of honor. Explain yourself. <laughs> I've got no, I've got no case to answer. I just haven't seen Demolition Man. Can I tell you something as well? Stuart Watson hasn't seen Demolition Man either. Well, he doesn't wear it like a badge of honor that you do. But again, Stuart, you should be you should be, asha- you should be ashamed of yourself, Stuart. Demolition Man. Do the plot of Demolition Man, please, Mark. It's it's brilliant. So Sylvester Stallone is a bit of a he's seen as a bit of a dinosaur cop in modern day. Ends up getting convicted of a crime he did not commit. Frozen alongside an arch criminal called. Simon Phoenix, Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes. Um, so they're cryogenically frozen and then accidentally defrosted in the future. Simon Phoenix escapes, and the only way to stop this this arch criminal is to defrost Demolition Man, Sylvester Stallone, which they duly do. It's a future where you can't swear without getting fined. Physical violence is deeply, deeply abhorred, and even sexual contact is now done through computers. Sylvester Stallone is out of his depth, but does he save the world? Yes, he bloody does. And it's a it's a tremendous film. It's right up there alongside the likes of True Lies, you know, Schwarzenegger, Predator, going back a bit earlier, Terminator 2, which is, you know, arguably the best sequel of all time and significantly better than Demolition Man, to be fair. But these kind of seminal 90s films, there's so many of them. Bad Boys, Roadhouse, Point Break, brilliant, brilliant films. All of Jean-Claude Van Damme's back catalogue, boys. And you're going to tell me you've not seen a single one of these. Mate, I honestly haven't. I haven't <laughs> seen a single. I'm aware that Patrick Swayze does something to someone's throat in Roadhouse. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, it, that Again, that brilliant film. I'm not sure if that's technically 90s or 80s. But, I, I mean, Jurassic Park, along similar lines of a seminal 90s film. I, I'm saying you've both seen that, yeah? 
I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen everything that Jurassic Park have ever have ever produced. Have you? Okay. Um, okay. I'm in on Jurassic Park. Um has Paul Cook been cryogenically frozen? Why? Is that is that what we're saying? Oh, I see what you mean. Been brought, he, he is demolition man, so has he been brought forward? Is he yet to be taken to the future or has he already come from the from the past? How, how tell me how <laughs> I can make a contrived comment piece around this at some stage in the near future. Well, I guess you'd have to say he's been defrosted to save Ipswich Town. Um, But given what's happening, he's he's not doing a massively good job at it. Um, He's actually from like the 60s and he was best mates with Sir Ralph Ramsey or something. It could be. I like it. I like it. What what crime has he committed previously? Is that why he's been frozen? Because he's committed some kind of act? I don't know enough about Paul Cook's background to to suggest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I honestly don't know, boys, but I think there's the makings of something there. Ipswich Town's version of, of Demolition Man. Um, yeah. Anyway, does he just demolish stuff? Like, just, sorry to drag this out even further. Does he just <laughs> kind of? Does he just demolish things when when he is kind of in the game? Is that what he does? Sylvester Stallone, are we talking now? But or Paul yeah. Cook, uh, well, both. They're the same. They're the, they're, they're the <laughs> same. same man. Stallone, Stallone is basically seen as some kind of dinosaur cop. He does things old school wise, you know, Maverick. He he beats people up, throws them downstairs, that kind of stuff. You can't well, do that. What's anymore. he demolishing? What's he demolishing? Everyone and everything in his path, okay. baby. Um, yeah, good. Men want to good. men want to be him. Ladies want to be with him. It's that kind of vibe, essentially. It's very um, similar to Paul. Paul <laughs> Boys. Um, there's a danger that today's show, other than that excellent chat about Demolition Man, is going to be incredibly negative and rather downbeat. Uh, and I want to kind of try and avoid that by doing what we managers call a shit sandwich. If you have to deliver news to bad news to someone, you put it in a shit sandwich. You, you tell them something good, you praise them, uh, then you deliver the bad news. I'm sorry, you're fired. Um, and then you end it on a positive note, but at least you don't have to work with me anymore, that kind of thing. Um so what I thought we'd do, boys, before we get onto the inevitable feces from last night, I thought we'd start with some reasons to be positive. Um, because as I say, the sun is shining, coronavirus restrictions are being lifted. You can now go to a pub if you want, have a beer, you can get a haircut, um, you can go to a gym. There are definitely reasons to be positive, but at Portman Road, I want to focus, boys, away from what's happening on the pitch. Give me some reasons to be positive. I'll start. We'll go around the room clockwise. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start on the pitch. Kane Vincent Young is back. Yes, he missed an absolute sitter last night, but he's played a couple of games. He's come through them injury-free, and that has to be a good sign. Hutchie, give me something else to be positive about. I, I'm going to say this first because this because I want to. Uh, the season is nearly finished, and that is and that's not that's not just because it's miserable. I just think it, Ipswich need it to be done, and that is a good thing because mm. what comes what comes at the end of it is the is the rebuild, and that's what we know needs to happen now um so i feel quite positive that the season's nearly finished because the product's terrible on the pitch but it's what comes at the end of it that that is makes me feel positive about it being nearly done because i think we can all agree they need to start there's there's the rebuild that needs to start and that's um not too many weeks away now that's almost there Siri, keep us going on this positive train um, most of the squad is out of contract, so there's opportunity <laughs> to, to rip it up and start again and, and make the significant changes that have not happened. Um, I've said before on these podcasts, they've had it's been sort of soft resets time and time again. They've tried to change bits and pieces, and this time there can be a proper change afoot in the air. So that's a positive for me. Mm. obviously another positive town's new owners who genuinely seem to understand fans and football great to see Burke Bukai speaking out against the European Super League and Brett Johnson adding his two penneth worth uh, and they're already talking about getting over here they're engaging with supporters clubs they're, they're being more visible in just a few days they've been in charge of Ipswich Town than, than Marcus Evans was for his entire 13 year reign and um, that can only be a positive Hutchie give us another one off-field structure I think um the arrival of of Mark Ashton um, is something that Ipswich have needed in that position for for several years. Uh, hopefully, he's the right man for the job. That will obviously be be proven as time goes on. But I think bringing in a, a championship level CEO to oversee the club and and have somebody in that position is a is a positive. And and that's again not too many weeks away. June the first he starts. 
Can you keep us going, Stewie? How far can we oh, go? Oh, I can try. <laughs> can I just can I just say loads of money? Can I just say that? Thirteen yeah. billion pound pension pot. That that's a little bit misleading. A lot of that is uh, is wrapped up in other investments. But seven hundred uh million dollars liquid cash, they're saying. Um there is um this is an exciting transfer window ahead. It feeds into the fact that once the clear out has happened. The rebuild will start, and um, I don't think they're going to go mad with money in the summer. I think it's going to be about smart recruitment and getting the structure right. But uh, money certainly helps, and Ipswich have, have got more of it than they did before, so that's a positive for me. Yeah, this summer's going to be great, isn't it? A star-spangled summer of spending. You boys are going to be very, very busy. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. I know you, how much you love transfer rumour time. Um what else would I say? Positive about Ipswich Town. Season tickets, boys. We know the season ticket decision's coming. They've obviously delayed it. For me, that can only be because, because they've rethought it. And maybe there's going to be some good news next week. Hopefully, they're going to take the opportunity to to offer a low price, maybe even knock on the um, the season tickets from this season, which um, people who've paid for that haven't got anywhere near what they've paid for. Maybe they'll just let them roll over and offer a new price for, for new people coming in next season. Hutchie, any, any more positivity we can strain? Only four more games behind closed doors. That's miserable. Yes, Fans, we're getting, we're getting, hopefully, fingers crossed. There's only four more times Ipswich Town will play in front of empty stands and uh, that can only be a good thing. Can you finish us off, Stu, with one more positive thing? Um, Paul Cook speaks the language of football fans. Um, we had the Paul Lambert trying to tell us all that it was incredible and the players had given absolutely everything. And... Um, um, before that, Mick McCarthy always talking about talking up the opposition as if, you know, they were playing Barcelona, good team, spent a few quid, etc. It's been a while since I think fans have truly connected with what, what the manager has been uh, has been saying. But um, he just talks and speaks like he watches the eyes, uh, watches the game through the eyes of a football fan. And um, that's a major positive for me. And that's a perfect segue into the game and the highlight from the game last night, talking about Paul Cook speaking. Um, after the game, he was interviewed, and maybe this is a, a, a kind of side effect of being cryogenically frozen, boys, but um, he appeared to change into an entirely different person halfway through the interview. Let's see if we can uh, we can get the audio on that. The thing of it is, you know, as, as what I'd constitute myself as an experienced manager, the first criticism I offer is to myself. Do I have to shoulder that blame for these players? You know, because that's what managers have to do. When we stand on the sidelines, it's great getting plaudits, and I've had plenty of plaudits in my career. Tonight, you know, the result, the manner in which we're getting beat, it hurts me deeply. <laughs> there you go. Obviously, cryogenically frozen, not good for the vocal cords, boys, because um, because he literally did turn into a different person about 31 seconds into that interview with the club last night. And that, for me, was the highlight of the game. Uh, we started off with a positivity um sandwich if you like the, the lovely brioche bon on the outside of an excellent burger positivity wise now we have to get into the the poo patty in the middle which is the game um paul cook there speaking after the game i know you boys are probably last thing you want to do is speak more about the game hutchie i wasn't sure after the game actually who was more of a broken man you or paul cook because in the, in the post-match video you just look as if you're you're in bits my friend uh, and i love the way Stu says to you as you mentioned the playoffs Stu just turns you go don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. Honestly, there were people in there were people in the press box talking <clears> about <throat> it, about about it still being there for them. That's Who? that's Paul why. Anderson. Paul Anderson was on co-commentary with with Brenner, and he tried his very. I think he could sense the the feeling of just despair and deflation amongst the collective Ipswich press pack, and he he just done a, I imagine a fairly depressing phone in after the game and he got up, don't worry lads, it's, you know, you'll still get in the playoffs. And I think he was just trying to, to raise all our hopes a little bit, but um, I'll have a little bit of what Paul's drinking. That's for sure. <laughs> um, it ain't, it ain't happening. Let's let's, can we just drop this charade now? Come on, what? let's not do it to ourselves. We've been saying for weeks, you ain't going to make the playoffs. So the only King saying they can is, is Hutchie. I assume now you're ready to accept Hutchie. That, that, was, you were, that was six you were, weeks you were, ago. You were, you were grossly and, and massively wrong on that. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like we said in the last one, we did the three of us. I, I feel I feel really let down by what they've what they've produced in the last month <clears> or six weeks. It's been dreadful. Um, mm. I've, I, 
I, I did feel positive they could get in the playoffs because because Cook took over a side that were a point off them, and and the players have regressed in in that mm. time. It's been miserable. I've got so little left to say about what we're seeing on on the pitch. It doesn't seem like only a week really since we were talking about them getting slapped at Wimbledon as mm. well, and it's happened again at, at, at Northampton. The fight's completely gone, um, and the quality's kind of drifted away drifted away with it they can't score goals um all of those things i thought would have i really thought were were going to improve because like Stu says cook speaks with so much passion he speaks the language of fans he's got the cv to match and we all i still firmly believe that these players are, are better football players than what they are currently showing sure i'm not i think we can probably all agree that we we've maybe overestimated their ability a little bit but i still i still maintain they're better than this and yeah. I've I've just got nothing left to say about what, what we're watching on the pitch. It's just so limp. And that's perhaps why I do look a little bit broken. It was also maybe also because I once again I was up watching The Little Mermaid at four fifty five that morning. And again, that was the highlight of the day, apart from watching Stuart watch and eat eat eighty chicken uh chicken popcorn bits from, from KFC. That was that was the best bit. Eighty? Good lord. So it's a lot of greasy protein there. Dirty protein, Stu, if you don't mind me saying. Little Mermaid, boys, have you ever told you about the time I won a uh, I won an award for singing along to Little Mermaid and got free cinema passes? Go on then. Give us a give us a go. That's basically the story. You know the uh the crab? Um what's his name? Sebastian. Sebastian. There's a song in the middle, isn't it? Under the, is it under the sea? Under the you, sea. You, don't pretend you don't know. Under the sea. Yeah. So I went to see that. Um that was back in the day. Uh, when I, <laughs> I used to fancy myself as a as a budding young Michael Jackson, um, uh, and was a bit of a bit of a show off, shall we say? Um, and so there was a, there was a there was a contest at said screening for who could sing along and dance to the song best. Um, they they picked a few people from the crowd. Uh, they had us on screen in front of the the big cinema screen, um, and I won. What can I say? Very uh, very talented child. Um, and I won, I think it was two free cinema passes. And that's where life's peak, boys, to be honest. Um, with that, with that <laughs> I also won Best Boy Dancer uh, at a, uh, a show somewhere else as well. So, and I still I still have the little uh, the little trophy to go with that. Um, I thought you were going to say you still have the moves. <laughs> like, if you saw me dance now, you'd, you'd say, how the hell did he ever win a dancing? Good Lord. Um, anyway, I digress, boys, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, given what happened last night. But Stu, in your, your excellent verdict this morning, which I'm sure you wrote at about 2am this morning, um, you made the point that not too long ago, we were bemoaning the fact that Town couldn't beat the best sides in the in the league, but they were doing all right against everyone else. Um, and then we had the Halcyon period where they drew nil nil at home to Northampton. Those were the days because it's a, it's all gone to shit, hasn't it, mate? Mm. We do keep talking about new lows and thinking mm. they've hit rock bottom, and then it gets worse. This did feel like a, another little milestone moment of of lows last night. Northampton were the lowest goal scorers, still are the lowest goal scorers in the league, and they've contrived to concede three times against them now gone including stoppage time more than nine hours without scoring a goal as Andy says it's back-to-back three nil defeats to teams that occupy relegation zone spot on Tuesday nights it's um it's bleak it's grim um as people can probably hear we've been trying our level best to avoid all chat of the football as much as we can in this one because as Andy says there's not a huge amount more to say about it they're um I guess the sort of Cook's record is has to be under under the spotlight to a degree. I do think the fact that we've talked about the players being out of contract being a positive going forwards, which it is, but I think that made it a, a very difficult task for him to turn things around short term because um, everybody's going to have that in their back of their minds that there's every chance that, especially with a change of ownership as well, they'll know that the vast majority are going in the summer. So it's hard as much as I don't think they're not trying, it's it's going to be in the subconscious there that I'm not going to be here next season. You're not getting 110% from those players because of that. That's natural. Um, mm. You or I would be the same in any job, I think. once you've If you've handed your notice in and you're starting somewhere else or whatever, you, you lose a little bit of something. People will say, well, they're footballers. They should be trying their hardest every game. And it's not that they've just downed tools, but you lose a little bit of an edge 
and they've come up against teams that are fighting for their lives. And if you lose that little bit of edge, then you're in trouble. Um, so I think circumstances have meant that the short term turnaround has, has been quite tough. So I'm I'm willing to give Paul Cook um, a bit of a free pass on 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 the last few weeks. But there's no getting away from it. Two wins from twelve is is pretty poor. And I think we were, regardless of all the circumstances, we should have expected a bit more. And just two more wins would have had them right in the mix. Mm. Um, so you know. It, I think it is fair to have a look at whether the man management has, has been quite right, whether the chopping and changing has been quite right. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, him, he himself came out last night and said, I'm not, not beyond criticism. He started his press conference by saying, you know, don't, don't hide away from any questions. I'm a big boy. I can take him. So um, I nearly did the voice change thing there myself. <laughs> um, shall we talk about that then? Cause that's obviously um, one of the talking points from last night is the change in tone from, Cook after the game from demolition man to, to Mia Culpa. I'll take all the blame. I'm not criticizing any of the players. Um, what did you make of that, Hutchie? And, and ha- just how much blame can we apportion? I ha- first of all, I hate playing the blame game uh, in life. I hate people always point the fingers at other people. But but how much how much blame is it fair for Paul Cook to take in this situation? Do you think? I think he, I think <clears throat> he needs to take a portion of it, and I think he'd agree that he needs to take a portion of it. He expects better from himself. Look at his record; that that record just hasn't translated so far into what's going on at Ipswich Town. I think there are some things he could have done differently. I agree with Stu that he's come in at quite an awkward, quite an awkward junction in in, in where where Ipswich Town are going in terms of the personnel available to him. I think he may well have come in with a few few decisions kind of in his mind, maybe already made about about some players, um, which maybe confuse things a little. And I think he's, I think he's maybe gone a little early with with some of the sort of the post match comments in in terms of questioning players and things like that. But I think that only comes from a place of of real frustration from a man that's used to kind of getting so much more from his football players than than Cook's getting now. Um, so I think if you're going to question Cook, it's probably on on kind of the messages that have been sent to the players. I'd agree to an extent about chopping and changing hasn't helped. It didn't help. It certainly hasn't helped, but I can see why he did it. He's come in with a, a set system that he's played for years and will play for years, um, and it just hasn't worked. So I can so I can kind of see why he might have gone away from that, but he's also changed areas of the team that I personally don't think didn't need changing um, in terms of the back line and, and other things like that. The combinations haven't been given the chances that they needed. So I would say Cook needs to take a share of the blame, but I don't think it's a big enough share of the blame to make me really in any way kind of think that the CV that he's got isn't still the CV that Ipswich Town need going forward, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's won titles, obviously, his last three clubs, hasn't he? His CV, his pedigree is superb, especially in terms of what Town could realistically attract at this level. Um, Stu, what did you make of the, the team last night? You, you've made reference to him chopping and changing. Chambers was on the bench again. Um, Stephen Ward, captain with Flynn Downs in the side. Anything that stood out for you from the team last night? Um, Andy's just said about sort of changing areas of the team that maybe didn't need changing. I can I can understand why he's rotated the top end of the pitch because they're not creating enough, not scoring enough goals. Um, but defensively, they they'd been okay, they'd been fine. The Wimbledon game aside, they'd been keeping clean sheets. As Paul himself has said, that Chambers and NCR have probably been their their best two performance. Um, he says that Toto's got a slight thigh injury, but that feels a bit like it's kind of justifying the the dropping rather than one that's that's keeping him out. So um, that that for me would be a, a question mark. Why he needed to suddenly change the two centre halves after the Wimbledon game? Okay, they got a clean sheet against Charlton, but last night I thought the inexperience of the central defensive duo of, of McGuinness and, and Wolfenden showed a little bit there, but. Um, I don't really want to start picking Paul Cook to pieces at the moment because it's as as I've said that before it's a it's been an awkward time and I just think 
in defense of those things that we've we've said about the chopping and changing and the, the man management stuff is if he hadn't have done all of that, then we'd be questioning that as well. We'd be saying, well, if he came in and just stuck to four, two, three, one, and those are my principles and I stick to it. And if that hadn't worked, everyone would have gone, oh, stubborn and, uh, you know, isn't adaptive and doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the, is the definition of madness, etc. So at least he's tried different things. Mm. It just hasn't worked. And in terms of the man management, he could have come in and tried to give them all a kiss and a cuddle and breathe some confidence into them and try and do all of that. But Paul Lambert tried to do that to a certain extent and that didn't work either. So again, probably had to try and press a few different but different motivational buttons and, and try and get them going. So at least he, he tried to do different things to get a tune out of these people and ultimately it hasn't happened and, and that's on the players they're the ones that are out there when they when they cross the white line um, regardless of what they think about their futures uh, at this club uh, we should be expecting a lot more from them individually and collectively I think funda- fundamentally it that they, they haven't I don't think he's got the players to play whatever formation he's playing he still wants the same from his players doesn't he in terms of energy pressing areas that they play in I think fundamentally he just hasn't got the players to play his brand of football regardless of their ability uh, other other ways of playing you can clearly you can play football in different ways maybe they they would suit better but put they're not they're not up to the, the football that Paul Cook wants and that's why so many of them have have got four more games left in blue before they're they're off off elsewhere and, and the summer rebuild begins with plenty more coming in who who can who can play how he wants to play and his way is successful so that's why there's another reason to be to be cheerful I guess Paul do you think football. we can sorry do you, do you think we can read anything into the selection since the demolition man comments um Chambers has been on the bench Ward started um both games and, and been been the captain people putting two and two together and and maybe making five and saying well Obviously, means that Chambers is going, and potentially Ward could be staying. Is it is it that simple? Do you think, Hutchie? Uh, in that scenario, I, I don't think that scenario will happen. I think there's a there's every chance Stephen Ward goes. Um, mm. In terms of Chambers, he's, he's been pretty clear, hasn't he? That Chambers will be offered something. It's now up mm. to it's now up to Luke to decide whether that something is, is what he wants. We talked about this on Monday. That could be that could be a reduced playing role, and if it's that. Maybe this is an early look for Luke at what a reduced playing role would look like. And it's something that Cook's looking at maybe to see how Luke handles that and how how he acts, having been, been put onto the bench and I guess given a reduced playing role, or it could be something off the pitch entirely. So I I don't I, I wouldn't say that scenario that you've just painted is, is one that I could see happening. I still think he'll he'll want a left back that that can do all the things he wants to do. No question about that. Mm. Um, and I think this is maybe just a, a glimpse into what Luke Chambers future could look like if he's kept around, which, which Cook said there's, there's going to be some kind of offer available to him. I don't know what, what you think, Stu, about those. I'm not reading anything into the mm. team selections at the moment. Um, you know, I think the first, the first game he came in for everyone suddenly went no lone players in the squad you know and they'd start reading something into that and that that didn't mean anything it was just the team that he picked for that day and I think he's just picking his teams on a game by game basis I don't when he said the demolition man comments people were then the next team that he picked people were going oh it's hardly demolition man Mm. it was almost like he was going to suddenly play the under 18s in his next game I don't think he meant it in terms of now that those comments were about the summer and I don't think that changes whoever he picks at the moment. Just because Mark McGuinness has suddenly started, does that mean that he suddenly fancies trying to get Mark McGuinness back next season? Probably not. And you could go through the, the whole team just because Chambers has been on the bench. Does that mean he's out the building? Probably not. So I, I'm not reading anything into these lineups mm. at the moment. He's got to get he's got to get 18 people in a match day squad at the moment, one way or another. So um, no. But surely, surely going forward now, there's four games left. The playoffs are all right, mathematically still possible, but realistically gone. Surely now is the time to 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 not play the loans, isn't it? I mean, someone like Keenan Bennix, for example, who you consistently describe as infuriating to watch play, he he shouldn't be playing, should he, over someone like Armando Dobra in these last four games? Dobra should be in there every game, shouldn't he? 
In terms of Bennett's, whether he's a lone player or not, he's not the player that Paul Cook wants there. I don't, I don't, I, like we said when we did this, I think it was last week, I, I don't think there's a great deal of difference between in Paul Cook's eyes between some of the lone players and some of some of the players that are under contract. Dobra maybe is a slightly different case. Obviously, he's, he's, um, he's contracted. So you'd think that maybe he could get a few more minutes. So, so maybe in this case, that would be right. But in terms of just getting rid of all of the lone players, I honestly don't think he sees a great deal of difference between between Mark McGuinness and Toto and Ciala or or Keenan Bennett and Freddie Sears. They're all players who are out of contract and if he wants them to move on this summer, they will move on this summer. There's In terms of going forward with the last four games and experimenting with with younger players or players that are going to be here, that, that, that there aren't many of them. So I don't, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for him to suddenly rotate this team hugely to kind of a team for the future, because I don't know who would be in it mm. necessarily. Well, yeah. Who are the ones that are under contract and that you could see being sort of part of the core downs playing Vincent Young playing back in the team at the moment, Dazelle, already playing. Dobra's about the only one, really. Kenlock ahead of Ward at left-back, you could make an argument for, but I don't think Kenlock's going to be your starting left-back next season. And Stephen Ward, we talked about him sort of dipping big time. I think he's actually got back to his sort of early season levels in, in the last couple of games. And there's an argument that if you strip away all of the experience in that team, then things could get worse and it's just going to do some more psychological damage over the next few games. So, as Andy says, this idea that I'll just get rid of them all now and just play <clears> a team for the future. Or that, otherwise, you're, you're really dipping into the, the younger ones. You know, mm. Is there any point suddenly chucking in a Liam Gibbs or um, trying to think Elkin Baggett's out on loan, isn't he? You know, Simpson. Sure that yeah. Not, not for me. Sure those players are ready. And B, I think you could do more damage than good if you start chucking those in. Mm. This is just... Like- it's just another example of why the season needs to drift towards its conclusion because we're talking about picking teams that we don't want really to see playing football matches. Um, I think if Paul Cook could have the season done tomorrow, I think he would probably he would probably slap your hand off at that. Do it on points per game, get it done. We all would, wouldn't we, boys? What about um, Tristan Nydam? He's not he's not been seen since um, returning, which is a bit disappointing, isn't it? You'd like to see him? Yeah, he'd be one. He'd be one. Yeah, mm. I don't know what's happened. He, he had a, obviously a really good sort of cameo, didn't he, um, since he's come back. So I can only assume that, I'm hoping it's not a setback, um, but that they're maybe just wrapping him in cotton wool a little bit after so long out. So we'll have to find out what's happening there. Lancaster would be another one. We've not mentioned him. He's um, yeah. We understand he's got a bit of a, a knock or at the moment, hasn't he, Andy? So that's why Yeah, he's nothing, nothing too serious. But yeah, he's been out for the last three weeks or so. Mm. I know... I know you joke there about finishing the season, but it's a terrible down and they do still have to play four more games. I get the impression with Paul Cook, he's a bit like a, a teacher who's coming to a GCSE class kind of mid-year. He knows there's a big exam coming at the end of the season. Um, and he's come and he's tried to put his arm around. He's tried tough love, but unfortunately he's given them a few tests and, and it's come back that they're they're a bit thick um, and there's not a lot he can do with them. And now he's just he's moved into the acceptance part, hasn't he? And he's just trying to finish the year as best he can, get them to the exams, get it done. And then hopefully in the summer, you'll have an exciting new class coming in. Take take the bad Ofsted report that's coming. Exactly. Plead, plead the fact that he can only work <clears throat> with the tools that he's got. And, yeah. Um, he's got go parents telling him, look, the, what, you know, little, little, uh, little Johnny's been a, a stalwart servant to this school for 10 years. Um, he deserves, he deserves more of a chance, that kind of thing. And he's thinking, mm, I'm not sure about that. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. A good Ofsted report on the way next season, boys. Um, just while we finish this kind of look at negativity around town, <clears throat> from a from a navel gazing point of view, boys, and bear with me on this. Um, I was sitting contemplating last night as, as town were losing three 0 at, uh, at where was it? Where was it? Northampton. <laughs> um, and we we talked before about constants in this kind of the fall and fall of Ipswich Town, Marcus Evans, some of the players, um, and I thought. Hold on. Also, a constant is us. Well, specifically me, me and you, Stewie, uh, and Paul Lambert. Bear with me. Paul Lambert sort of talked about the tremendous negativity surrounding the club, um, and I wondered. And I'm throwing this out there because I haven't discussed this with you. Um, so, so go with it. Bat it back if you want. But I wondered, 
is there any anything that we've done that maybe builds this kind of culture of negativity around town? Are we too quick to jump on them and 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 kind of point things out and be negative? What what would you say to that, Stu? I've wrestled with this a lot over the years. I think we've talked about this before. It's a <clears throat> constant thing in the back of my mind that I think there was an exchange with myself and Paul Lambert after the nil-nil draw at Oxford, whenever whenever that was, was that, you know, where he was talking about you guys drive mm. the negativity. And I said, do you, do you think we reflect it or do you think we drive it? And, you know, he was saying, I think you drive it. But ultimately, after wrestling with those thoughts, I've always come to the conclusion that I think we've we've been fair with it. I think whenever there's risk of repeating what we've what I've said before, whenever there has been a small window for us to jump all over any optimism or a new dawn or a new era or something to build up, we've done it. You know, when it was the start of the various different good runs they've had, when managers have changed, when you know we've I think we've we've tried to kind of generate some positivity when there's been times, but there has to be something there for you to feed off of. Mm. And, um, you know, we'd just look silly if we were trying to generate false optimism. You can't do that. You know, we've got to, we've got to say it how we see it. And that's all, all we've ever done. Um, so for me, it, it comes from what, what's happened, what happens on the pitch. I'm sure it doesn't help. It, it probably does become a snowball effect, that things don't go very well, then you get a wall of noise on social media these days, you get more comment and analysis than ever before in, in the media through through us and various other channel, uh, other outlets, mm. which there's more than ever. So I'm sure that doesn't help, but it but it all stems from, from what happens on the pitch. But I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for people to sort of engage in that conversation. It's a, it's a fair point. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder... Um, certainly I'm guilty of sometimes writing stuff and, and not thinking about <clears throat> players reading it. Um, and I, I wonder sometimes if not specifically anything that we've done in terms of specific stories or anything, but I do, I do, I was wondering last night, you know, is this, are we part of this? Have we created at least part of this negativity around the club? And it can't be nice. Can it as a player, um, human beings at the end of the day reading oh, stuff I'd, I'd hate it you know put, i always try and put myself in sort of reverse shoes and imagine if everything we did was picked to pieces every single day and mm. um would that motivate me to to be better and prove people wrong to a point but would there come a point where i'm to sort of just become a bit crushed and downtrodden by it yes probably and i think that's probably where the ipswich players are at at the moment um mm. <laughs> What what are we meant to do though? Do we strip it right back to basics and just literally do a really bog standard? Ipswich played a game last night. These were the goal scorers, and this is what the manager said, which is how media and the local media worked in years gone by. Mm. The game's changed. We can't do that anymore. You know, if we did that, we wouldn't be doing our jobs. So but at least two of us wouldn't be sat here doing that now. If that if that's what our job became again, mm. we wouldn't be doing this, would we? Um, I'd agree with Stu. I think. In terms of on the pitch, um, that's where the narrative is set, and the people within the football club tell you this about um, in terms of selling sponsorships and and working in the academy and and working in the commercial department, hospitality. Everything is impacted by the result on a match day, and I think that extends to us as well. We have two daily newspapers, we have busy websites, two time a week podcasts, and maybe maybe everything gets multiplied more than it, it needs to be by by kind of by volume but mm. but the tone is the tone is set on on the football pitch like we've we've been talking today about how we've maybe um, and many times actually about how we've maybe overestimated how good these football players are that's because we wanted to believe that they're they're good we we love we, we'd love nothing more than to see their their best bits um every single week but but the results just just haven't been there um i think it is important to kind of think about to think about things and make sure that you're happy with, which we do we do a great deal of this of of thinking about about our tone and 
and everything and what goes into everything we write but timing as well of when yeah. you know what we say but when we say it. i'd like to think anyone who's been a, a long-term listener of of this and followed our coverage will know how much agonizing went into the front lambert front page for example and that's that's the same with everything that we do you know andy and i after games are always talking about right so what what's the tone going to be off the back of this one and probably overthink it to be quite mm. honest we drive ourselves mad with it and i don't know if everyone inside the football club or even fans in general realize how much thought goes into you know everything that, that we do so we, we try and be fair um Part of me wishes it was just a, a simple, just turn up. Some people just say your job is just to report, report on events and shouldn't be giving as much opinion as, as we do. But that that's football, that's modern football, and there's, there's no escaping that. It would certainly make our lives a lot easier dealing with these people um, if we didn't have to slap our opinion on them around all of the time. Um, mm. We're doing these every couple of days. We're writing opinion pieces. We're doing player ratings. We're doing all of that. So... Um, I don't know. That's that's one for the listeners to to let us know whether they think we've we've, we've been fair or been part of it. Um, it's a fair it's a fair discussion to be had, and we're not we're not above it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, we've definitely made some mistakes, haven't we, along the way? Um, but I, I think I'd agree with you generally. We are desperate for the club to do well. Um, just an interesting conversation, boys. As I, as I as I sat there last night, I thought, hmm, let's 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 have a chat about this tomorrow while we gaze at our navels um right then boys anything else to mention from from last night the uh <laughs> the fairly humiliating situation at, at town and any other notes from the game um you mentioned the vincent young miss right at the very start that was the moment that kind of summed up the evening for me i just couldn't couldn't believe he'd missed that and it's just such a sh- Vincent Young maybe gets a bit of a free pass because everyone's so excited to see him back. I imagine if that was anyone else in a blue shirt, they'd be getting absolutely vilified today. But part of me is enthused by that because it's a right back on the edge of the six yard box on the, you know, finishing off an attack. It reminds me of that goal he scored at Gillingham when things were great at the start of the first season where he popped up at the back post to, to bundle one in. So finally, we've got a right back who's attacking those sort of areas. But Goodness me, I don't know how he hit the whole goal to aim at from six yards out. The goalkeeper was completely out of the picture and he still managed to, to find that. And, and that was the moment for me that just collectively, they just, the puff just went out of them. The body language just goes. Um, Paul Cook was almost laughing. It was a bit of a sort of you laugh or you cry type situation. I think everyone felt a bit like that. And then Oh, the nerves and the anxiety that came into their play. Everyone will have seen that Mark the clip of Mark McGuinness failing to find a five-yard pass to Andre Dezel. Hospital pass, really poor, but Dezel's just really sort of passive in the way he just turns and lets it go past him. Um, people may not have seen that Flynn Downs had uh, one equally as poor as that just moments earlier, just a really simple pass to a teammate. And that just kind of sums up mentally where Ipswich are, are at at the moment and then the third goal as well just just that was an absolute calamity as well Holy had a a dreadful night with with his kicking um which has been a bit of an issue for, for a little while as well so um yeah just little moments in that game that just kind of sums everything sums everything up at the moment but um nearly done bit of light at the end of the tunnel as well big changes afoot if we didn't have that goodness me oh can you imagine doing these at the moment if it was still Evans in charge or <clears throat> or whatever? So um, at least we know. It would be dreadful. Let's jump on that light at the end of the tunnel and finish the show with a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, shall we, boys? We, we've talked about the uh, the unpleasantness in the middle. Now let's go on to the uh, the, uh, the 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 the, um, the brioche bun at the bottom, which is soaked with the good burger juices in any good burger. Um, and positivity going forward, boys. There was there was an encouraging update from the supporters club um, earlier this week about conversations they've had with the new owners, um, and, and quite a lot of information in there. Interesting information. Um, they mentioned the season tickets coming out next week, and they're excited about that. They think that's going to be a good thing. What did you make of the the, the comments about Portman Road saying they're going to stay at Portman Road, and, and the Cobbold stand may even be replaced, Touchy? Um. I'm going to be completely honest and tell you I haven't actually read the minutes of the supporters club <laughs> meeting at this point. Uh, I'm not surprised. Were we really thinking they were going to move away from Portman Road? No. Who knows? Who knows? 
I don't think that was ever in the offing whatsoever. And if there's any kind of update that needs to happen at, at Portman Road, the easiest one to do and the one in need of being done um, is probably probably the cobbled stand. At the very least, it needs that brown tape removed from the windows at the back because that's an absolute shambles and a, and a job that could be done in an afternoon. Um, in terms of replacing it, that's probably the obvious place to start if we're talking about expanding the stadium. But I, I would say we're we're a little way away from from needing to replace and expand uh, parts of the ground at the moment. Let's uh, let's get a team on the pitch that can can get the club moving upwards before we talk about rebuilding parts of mm. the ground. And on that note, it's going to be a big moment for the stadium is when when the cherry pickers are there and they start taking down all of the which I assume will happen, start taking down all the Marcus Evans motifs all around the, the stadium. That will that will kind of bring into, that will feel like a proper start of a, something new as well. I assume it will come down. I mean, he is still part owner of the club. Mm. We saw him at the Charlton game, um, which um, again, pours a bit of cold water on the idea that he, he doesn't care in any way, shape or form. But yeah, when all that starts to come down as well, that, that will... Um, bring into focus the the new ownership yeah and also as part of this they, they they said that paul cook is meeting with the new owners this week to to talk in depth about recruitment which sounds exciting boys um so we need to sort out that technology getting that fly on the wall in the boardroom while they're all sitting around with their nuts on the table that's fine isn't it that's not illegal for us to do that don't think so mate black mirror that's fine okay. in black mirror isn't it yeah i mean it kills people in black mirror um and we're definitely not going to do that so there you go um Nuts on the table. What just Ashton, <laughs> Ashton, Cook, Vernon, O'Leary. They're all. <laughs> oh, O'Leary. He's sixty-eight years old, isn't he? No, he needs. A, he needs put, a table for support. <laughs> put them away, Mike. That's fine. You're excluded from this. Let's hope the new TAM chairman never hears this clip of him of us discussing, <laughs> discussing his testicles. We are serious journalists, Mike. Honest, um, boys. Positivity for the rest of the season. Tell me what you'd like to see in these last four games, which would be positive from Ipswich Town. Give me, give me something to hold on to. Obviously, Kane, Vincent, Young playing all four of the games and coming through them injury free. Flynn Downs maybe getting a go with the captain's armband, boys. What do you reckon? I'll take a goal. A goal would be nice. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Nine hours goal. now. Nine hours. Yeah, I'll take a goal and a bit of fight if I'm completely honest at this stage. Um, yeah, I've not got an awful lot for you. I'll be completely honest. I've not, I'm looking forward to going back to Swindon I went, and back yeah. to Shrewsbury in that, yeah. in that regard. Actually, we've been to Shrewsbury once already for, for 15 minutes and I'm looking forward to going there again. Um, yeah, just the first goal of the American era, please. They, the, the poor guys have bought this football club and they've not scored since. Good Lord, that's true as well, isn't it? Yeah, they've not seen yeah. an actual goal from Ipswich Town. No, no, nah. not one goal. Got, so they've scored six in Paul Cook's 12 games so far. And I've got, I've got, I'm looking at those now. Chambers v Gillingham, was that, that must have been from a set piece, was it? Andy? Yeah, l- l- loopy, a loopy header from a set, set piece. Wilson v Lincoln, set, set piece. piece. Parrot v Plymouth, absolute gift. It was a, a slack yep. inside pass, wasn't it? Norwood v Portsmouth. That was a decent finish. Good goal. It? Yeah, good ball from Edwards and a really good finish from Norwood. And then the Bristol Rovers goals, one of which was an own goal and one of which was judge after Dazelle kind of sliced the ball to him. So you start to break those down. The, the goals, actual good goals created from open play are so minimal. I looked through, like, from the end of October onwards, it was, like, 28 goals in 30-something games. And I bet if you really started to break those down in the way I've just done those last 12, it would be a similar story as well. Uh, you know, really good, well-made goals that have come from a from the training ground, patterns of play, embarrassingly few. Really is. Hmm. That's not the brioche bun at the end of this podcast, is it? It's not, is it? It's gone a bit no, mouldy. That that play something part. good. <laughs> do a poor cooking impersonation. <laughs> I can't do. I can't do scouts. I'm terrible with voices, honestly. Um, but I suppose another positive, boys. You haven't got to go anywhere this weekend. It's just Portman Road for for Wimbledon again, um, and then then the summer stretches straws. <laughs> <at them>. Desperately, 
Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Anything else to mention, boys, before we um, um, extricate just ourselves? The, the voice change from Paul Cook, maybe that all feeds into the um, Demolition Man thing. Maybe that's his voice from, you know, his, his alter ego voice when he goes. Because that's not, you know, the clip you played at the start, that's not even the best example of it. There's been better ones of that. Oh, really? I haven't seen them. Sometimes he goes really down low and gravelly. I am lazily. Great. I've got nothing uh, left to give. <laughs> Archie, have you got anything left? Uh, no, no, no. I've got no other no, business. You can't, can't even be able to say no other business. Well, um, hopefully that wasn't too negative, that podcast. It got a bit deep at times, but we, we brought it back around with uh, with a, a Paul Cook impression at the end and talking about testicles on tables in true KOA style. Keep an eye out on our, all our channels over the next couple of days because there's going to be some really good stuff dropping, we hope, um, which we hope you'll enjoy. Um, clearly the game on Saturday as well, which uh, will be all over. You are going to that one, boys, are you? Just, just to confirm, you haven't got any... Any weddings or funerals or anything to to attend? I'll be there. You'll be there as well, Stewie. Fantastic. We'll follow that with us. <laughs> you are contractually obliged, unfortunately, Stewie, to to attend Ipswich Town games um, for the end of until the end of the season. Follow us across all our social medias: Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, I'm away next week. That's another reason to be positive because there's a chance you're going to get the big porker back on, and we know you enjoyed the big pork and white bacon, bacon and chips. So look out for that in my absence. Um, yeah, and have a good, aside from it, switch town and what's going on on the pitch, there's a lot to be positive about in life. The sun is shining. Um, it's a nice day to go and sit in a beer garden. Um, and there's more important things happening. There you go then, boys. That's been the show this week. Thank you very much for listening. And I won't speak to you again next week, but we will. So speak to you then. Crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.